Hello and welcome to Carnuba Detailing, your premium detailing experience. A professional detailing studio providing you, the consumer, enthusiasts, and professional detailers alike, high quality detailing services, education, and content. If you enjoy connecting with industry leaders, how-tos and reviews, and business-oriented podcasts, make sure to hit that like button, subscribe, and most importantly, enjoy. Hello, everyone. My name is Zaya, and welcome to the Carnuba Detailing Podcast. I am welcomed today by a special guest, Marty Hill. You mind introducing yourself and why you are here today? Well, because special translates, you know, that short bus. I was usually like the fourth seat to the left is generally where I sat. Uh, you know, it is what it is. I barely made it out of school. Um, and just always, uh, some reason wanted to do whatever I wanted to do. <laughs> hey man. I, wasn't, I mean, I wasn't so great. So I, you know, I appreciate you reminding me of my, uh, special days. Of, I, uh, for, for, you're welcome. You're welcome. No problem. Uh, I was like doing that to people. Um, but no, Marty is an extremely smart person. I'll tell you that right now. His mind is moving 24 seven, yeah. 365. That is true. And it's, it's, a, it's amazing the things this guy can think about and do all at the same time. Um, he's on his phone 24 seven, but for good reason, True. not just on, well, maybe on TikTok once in a while, but again, <laughs> for good reason. Um, he, he, when I look at Marty, he's a guy that makes things happen, but Marty, go ahead and tell us a little bit about total auto solutions and what you got going on over there. Oh yeah, man. I, I appreciate that. Uh, I, it's part of the ADD. I literally am nonstop, but it's, it's just the way I've always been. Yeah. Uh, as a kid, you know, I just berserk all the time i mean i never stopped and uh it just translated into the day i quit my job and started cleaning cars that was 2002 and i think for business what business has done for me is it gave me a avenue to let all my thoughts and everything that's running around give it a direction you know and a lot of people will make fun of my company and what we do because they look at it and they go you got this, 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 like, it makes no sense. And I'm like, I understand, but that's just, that's the way my mind works. Like I've got this, this, and this all going at the same time. It's just, I think it literally is just part of having ADD. You get to, you get to do a lot more. Yeah. It's awesome that you actually say that when you think about it, like a person's business could be a representation of that individual's mind, you know? And yeah, I, well, I think it has to be to be successful. Right? Yeah. I mean, if you look at some of the big, massive companies, sure, they take different directions. And I don't just mean in detail. I just mean, like, take some entrepreneurial guys that we can hear about, Bezos or anything like, right? Any of their companies that they do, it's it's just like a, something that was in their mind that just has to just come out. And then they navigate through how to make it work. Yeah, for sure. And and one thing I, I, I really admire about your social media pages and your business is you're not, you're not scared to put stuff out there. See, I'm the type of guy that tries to get things perfect before I put them out there. But then I find myself taking forever to post something. And so, so now I just try to get it to like the 70% or 80% and just push it out, you know, because yeah. I can, I will take forever to get it to that 90 or 100%. You kind of get what I'm saying? Yeah, is that because you've seen in your business and overall industry that the amount of multi-levels and corrections have gone down so much and so you're realizing you don't have to achieve such a high level, you can still bring it down to like a 60, 70 and do like a one step and then you're good to go? Yeah, I mean, for <laughs> when, when, 
when it comes to corrections, but also just content in general. I'm just talking about content in general, you know, like a video I know, or a I know photo. exactly what you're talking about. I just had to throw that in there. Yeah, no, I got you, man. I got you. you know part of my story, right? That's what we've talked about for the past two or three years of how that part of the industry is going to go away. And, that you know, you and I have a little bit of different take on that, right, which is fun. Uh, and there's different guys that have a boutique style of the way they chose their business, which is completely cool. That's the way each of us get to think through what we want to do and translate it out into our business. I have over the past couple of years have said, hey, you don't need to achieve perfection. You don't need to try and go after such high end of doing all this all the time. There's a massive market of daily drivers and this middle range and doing 60 to 70 with a one step and you're completely fine. And it's, that's just the way we've taught. So I just had to, had to throw that in there. So. No, no. And I, I appreciate you throwing that in there because that's, that's a great point at the end of the day. When you, when you look at my sales and my numbers and a lot of guys in general, most of it is one steps at the end of the day. I'm not doing always two or three step corrections or any type of wet sanding. Uh, my most popular ceramic coating packages are my one to three year coatings. You know, which by the way, my, my two to three years now CC 105 officially, I'm just saying, we'll, we'll get talking about that in just a little bit. Um, but yeah, for the most part, you're, you're right in that. And then also, you know, we'll be seeing a transfer over from just focusing on paint correction and coating. So also specializing in interior detailing as well. I'm sure you mentioned that previously with the whole COVID-19 coming up with the whole thing that happened. Um, and I really took a part in that by, by going to color lock training and leather repair and things like that and trying to become an interior specialist myself. So I, I, try to, I try to mix it up, you know. I don't want people to think you only come to me for correction work and coatings. I want people to come to me for their automotive detailing needs, yeah. whether that be a wash and sealant or whether that be a full correction for, you know, a show coming up or something like that. So I want to be uh, not a mixed bag of services, but I want to provide people what they need at a value-oriented price, but also with the best quality in mind. So, yeah, why do you think you've decided to do that? And I don't mean what you're seeing in the market. I mean, why do you think you personally have decided to do that in this way to grow your business? And then why have you also decided to do this, what we're doing here? And then you and I have talked. Then you also have another side, right? So. It goes back to the mind, right? Yeah, that's what exactly. you envision, and that's the way you are growing your business, which is super cool. Exactly, man. I, I, you know, when it comes to detail, let's start with that. I look at myself. When I look at myself, I'm a big car guy. But you know what? All of my personal vehicles, all my personal vehicles that I've had in the past, I don't remember one of them doing a three-step correction with a ten-year coating on there. Yeah. You know, it was super typically one or a two step and I throw a net quality two year coating on there and I call it a day and I'm perfectly satisfied. So if me being a detailer with my OCD, when it comes to attention to detail and a little bit of AD, ADD that you were talking about before, when it comes to all that other stuff, what makes me think that every other person is going to want a three step correction with a five plus year coating, you know? <laughs> And I'm not the type of people person. People were saying, well, that's what they were taught. That's what they were told. Exactly. So, but when it comes to everything else that you're talking about with my multiple kind of streams of networking and stuff like that, I actually learned that from you and DJ during MTE, you know, back in the day, my first MTE in Las, Las Vegas, I believe that was 2018. 
you know, you guys are talking about, you know, getting on a podcast and making all that stuff happen because the more networks that you hit, the more opportunities that you have to sell and brand yourself, which is totally true. I'm just that type of guy, again, like I said before, where it takes me a bit of time to post stuff. I'm not posting podcasts every week. I'm posting them when I feel like posting them where there's some like value to what mm -hmm. I want to say per se kind of thing, you know? Yeah. So that's cool. I didn't yeah. ever know that. So, no, no, that was the yeah, podcast. Yeah, I, I give the podcast credit to, to you guys during that MTE event, because that's what really sparked in my head that I should start a podcast. And it took me about eight months later from that event to actually start it up, you know, and, you know, get it prepared and get it going to, you know, the small podcast it is right now with a few hundred listeners that I have. But yeah. at least it's something. And at least I have some type of platform and I have the experience. I got the equipment and tools to progress it further and make it make into something bigger. So Yeah. And Zai, what have you learned through that process? I have learned that that's a great question, my man. I have learned that people, especially listeners and viewers, are not always going to be fond of everything that you say. That's oh. number one. Right. And you got to leave it as it is, you know, it's not a big deal. Not everybody will have the same opinions or same thoughts or enjoy what you're trying to say as well. I've also learned that even though I like to take my time with things, I got to find a consistent schedule to start posting stuff. And consistency is something I really need to dial in on all my platforms. When I post my videos, how much content I post, content, how the intro is, how the the end of the video, you know, cuts out all that stuff. I need to kind of develop into some type of structure. So, yeah, but so what about the process of starting it, walking through it, the journey of getting it created? What have you learned about business from it? Yeah. It, just starting the podcast in general. I mean, like I said, I, I like to, I like to do things the best I can. So I went out, I bought some quality mics, I bought the Zoom H6, you know, I got all this stuff, all this equipment ready and prepped. And I sit there, I'm like, well, now how do I use this shit? <laughs> you, know? <laughs> That's, you know, you spend four or $500 on mics and recorders and crap. You gotta now figure out how to use it. So then it's just finding the program and the software. And then it's just building the confidence because I've done videos for a while now, pretty much ever since I started the car detailing company, Carnuba Detailing here in Arizona. And I've gotten good at it. I'm really good at making videos. I think my videos are pretty good. I'm not going to say they're amazing or anything like that, but I think I put out some quality content. Yeah. Podcasting is a completely different story. Uh -huh. Because for the most part, people are just listening to what you're trying to say. There's no visual candy i guess if you want us if you can call my face candy i don't know but <laughs> um there's nothing well, visually to bobby. <laughs> bobby here we go there's nothing visually enticing for somebody to to spark interest so it's all through your voice so what you're saying has to either make sense or has to entertain people or educate people so finding a good balance between all three of those is very difficult i find so when I hear, hear a podcast, it's like kind of good. I respect that because I know how difficult it is to get to that kind of good and the difference between kind of good and really good, you yeah. know? So you had to go get, and you had to invest in, then you had to spend time trying to figure it out. And then now you're just investing months and months and months and years to eventually hope that whatever it is that you're doing pays off to do something. Exactly. Exactly. And the, and the same thing happened with YouTube. I mean, it started with like, 
zero subs and a hundred views on each video. And now I got a video with almost half a million views. I'm actually making money off of YouTube. So it took a lot of time, but I'm there, you know, and it's progressing. It's become a little bit of a domino effect. I mean, I don't even have to post anything right now. I'm getting a hundred to 200 subscribers every week. So it's, it is gotten to something larger. I'm sure yeah. podcasts is going to be even more difficult than making videos because videos are very popular compared to podcasts and audio streams. Um, but you know what? Put in the time and might, might as well if you have the time to do so. And it's a much more niche of a market. Yeah, that's Especially another thing. Especially when you're podcasting and detailing, talking to professional detailers on a podcast. You know, we actually, we recommend specifically with detailing, right? I mean, we all take our own choices. I appreciate everything you do. There's other people that listen to our podcast and have said in those meetings, and they did uh, uh, different podcasts arriving around parts of their city, which is something that we highly recommend. Yes. Is that detailers do a local podcast to create more of a brand awareness locally, right? Don't worry. I'm on that, Marty. I'm on it. I'm on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. I just wanted to make like – yeah. There's going to be people that listen to it or watch it or whatever, this part. And if we don't ever say that, then they're just going to do what they see us doing, which is two detailers talking. And that's really not the best way to grow your business if the, unless you're trying to address something that's local. So the reason that we've been in these meetings, the reason we talked about this is for your brand as a detailer growing locally you need to be doing a podcast around local events. So one of the ones that, that I started to uh, basically eat my own soup or how do you, whatever that is, uh, what's that saying where you're, uh, eat your own shit or uh, what is like? I have I no know. idea, Marty. I'll be yeah, honest with you. <laughs> but then you better do the actions too. Anyway, ours is, uh, the one I created is the Tulsa Scene Podcast. So yeah. That was to help give an example of what it is that I'm talking about, right? So if I'm gonna be in a meeting at Mobile Tech and say, hey, this is something we recommend, it's something that we're doing. I'm not a just, I'm a practitioner from you and I of, of hanging out, getting to know each other, right? Like, yeah. I don't theorize about shit and then don't try and do it. Yeah. And again, that's something I admire of you. It's like you take a risk when it comes to this type of stuff. Yeah. Even, even if nobody else has tried it within our industry, you go for it, try it out. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, sit back, see what the problem was, and you try to address it and try to fix it. You know? Yeah, and that's why I tried to make you, you like, right? You had to go through a process. You had to go get this. You had to go do, and then you have to test, and you don't know if it's going to work. But that's a perfect example of what guys and detailers and gals, whatever, like what we need to learn as the business side of detailing, less about how great our polishing techniques are and more ways of growing our business through trying different ways, getting investing here, working this out, trying to figure it out. Is it going to work? I don't know. All while you're trying to do this over here and grow something else. Like that's what it takes. Does it take just learning how to polish paint better? So. Yeah, no, for sure, man. And after moving into a shop location, I mean, things have completely changed for me. It's not, um, it's become more so of a, um, I want to say it's become more so of a part-time to full-time thing. It was always full-time for me, but 
I do have to figure out new things along the way now. Now that I'm in a shop, I got to deal with new types of overhead and new types of, um, you know, customer issues as well. You know, what happens when a customer walks in and I'm working in the shop in the back, you know, with a polisher running, like I still need to provide that customer service aspect. So I need to put things in place to address that type of thing. So there's always business realities that hit us throughout our, our ventures that we might not expect, but that's again, where we kind of sit down and look at them and, and, and think about how do we address this the right way so we don't run into an issue later down the line. And I think that's pretty much all of business is sitting down, thinking and solving problems, whether that be alone or whether together as a group of friends and colleagues like yourself and um, detailers, just like you said before, and you stop thinking like details and start thinking like business people. And it should have been like that for a while. But I think now, especially since the whole, you know, pandemic thing and this and that, people are now focusing more on their business rather than just like, oh, how do I get the best finish on a panel type of thing? Like, oh, shit, how do I survive in two months? Exactly, exactly. That's That's another thing. That's a real question right now. Yeah, for for a lot of guys, and it's a shame because you know I I've been I've been thankful I've been blessed to have the people the mentors people like yourself throughout my life that you know have prepared me to a point where I I got ready for something like this not exactly a pandemic but you know a financial insecurity or financial emergency or economic crisis I'm ready I'm not I'm not stressing out per se. Yeah, it'd be great to have this much revenue come in and this many customers and this much cash flow, but I could sit here perfectly fine with the shop shut down and be comfortable in life, you know? But I got ready for that. I prepared myself. There's a lot of sacrifices. I don't have a fancy car. I don't have this and that, but that's that's what you got to do. Cuz just like we talked about before in person, I mean, it's it's a marathon. It's just not just a sprint. The ego game, the pride game that a lot of guys like to play, you know, it's probably catching up to them right now when it comes to a lot of things. So, you know, I don't, to me, I'm not worried about, like, I look at the industry or at people, I don't care if they have pride. I mean, they should have pride, right? If they're a business owner, I would rather them have pride and ego than no pride and no ego. No pride, Mm -hmm. no ego, you won't really ever fully reach your potential too much pride and too ego though i think that's that's the problem is yeah. they went so far in one direction because it fed their pride and their ego they didn't think of all the other little things that they could have been doing like you said marketing different aspects so that at this point we aren't stressed as much we understand that we could have uh, stuff at a dealership. We could have stuff at an auction. We could detail cars at an airport. We could, yep. I mean, there's fleet work, right? There's so many different options available that it doesn't make sense for people to feed just the ego of polishing paint to a pristine level when as a business, you could actually grow in all these different ways and in the end, which business in five to 10 years is going to be bigger than a single avenue that's selected around even a higher niche in the industry? Yeah, for mean? sure. And even taking that a step further, past the dealerships, past the different types of detailing, it's also, well, you could be making money off of YouTube. You could be making money off of content creation like we spoke about in the past. 
Um, I write articles now for some companies, blogs when it comes to automotive related, you know, things for detailing and such. And those are all just different streams of revenue. Mm -hmm. And it, it takes you away from behind the car, behind the polisher and puts you in front of a computer, which I hate. I hate being in front of a computer. Okay. But it's just something that has to be done, you know? And I knew everyone knows that one day you have to sit in front of a computer and make some shit happen as a business owner. You know, you got to go through your emails. You got to go through all that crap. So I might as well do something that makes you some money off of it too. So yeah, for sure. Man. I hate checking emails though. That's the worst. Oh yeah. Emails, they, they suck. I prefer for people just to text me or call me when I'm driving yeah. or something like that, you know? Um, but yeah, man, one awesome thing was I had some experience with a lot of your products, dude. And I would love to talk about that real quick. Okay. Um, but first of all, go ahead and maybe give us a little intro on Total Auto Solutions and, and the company itself. Yeah, man. Um, so Total Auto Solutions, I started out of my garage in 2010. Uh, I just... I just saw it as the next thing that I needed to do. I, you know, I'd started as a mobile detailer in 2002. Um, didn't know how to clean cars, but was sick of my job. And some guy just said, hey, I'd seen some people cleaning cars up at the grocery store. Why don't you get a power washer and clean cars? I mean, so that's why I'm in the industry. I don't like, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, and I said, okay, and went and, got a loan and you know, I was had a salary so I could prove I was making money. They gave me a loan. I, I went and got a trailer and put it together. I didn't know that I shouldn't have a single axle trailer with a 500 gallon water tank on there. <laughs> well, a couple of years later at two 30 in the morning, driving back from a Sonic that we just got through cleaning, I had a blowout and I literally, I don't know why I'm still here. Like, you know, my, my little truck was like I'm, throwing I'm all over the road with 500 gallons of water. So. I'm sorry for laughing, but I could just imagine younger Marty just fucking flipping his shit yep. in a pickup truck with a trailer yep. swinging in the back like that. Uh -huh. Yeah, exactly right. Like, it's just, I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, I, I didn't. But I just had to try and figure it out because I wasn't going to go back to work. Like, no, for sure. I hate it. And I feel I just, you on that, man. I totally feel you. I mean, I used to be in the financial industry, banking specifically, and it was just, it was just killing me. I hated yeah. it. You know, it was and, just, and, and it was a, it was a tough, it was exciting for me. Uh, but it was, it was, it was tough at this, it, 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 very tough because I had spent at this point, I was 22 yeah, 22, 23, and for the past, you know, four or five years, I had spent in college and then going to seminary. Um, I, I planned on working in a church. That was, I was raised extremely conservative, uh, three or four times in church a week, and I was on the route to be a pastor. Like that's, I'd already done that at some churches as a youth pastor. Um, I really enjoyed the the teaching, like I enjoyed all that stuff. I enjoyed everything about being around people. But for some reason, each church I worked at, it just never came out the way that it was. And it was just always like, and I was just done, man. I just hated yeah. it. And uh, just started cleaning cars and just fell in love with 
the process, right? Of, uh-huh. And, oh, man, and Marty, cool. how, how how old were you then when you decided that, you know, 20, yeah. 20, say it one more. 22, 23. So you were pretty young as well, you know, yeah, yeah. when you, yeah. when you yeah. realized you, what, what you were passionate about. And I find that one of the biggest blessings, you know, is to be young, find what you love and monetize it in a way, you know? And uh, I mean, there's people that are 40, 45 well, years old. Like every, if it was what I loved, everything was around the church. I mean, my whole life, all the way, like, that's all I did. Even at that point, I was teaching Sunday school, teaching youth. Like, we're talking, I will drink the fucking Kool-Aid. Yeah. <laughs> so, it was a, it was a, oh, wow, there's another world out there. And mm-hmm. I can clean this car and then I can, that guy's going to tell that person. And then, like, oh, wait, I could go over here and clean cars. And I got somebody that came up and went, like, it just stuff just started happening and yeah. it was cool. Like I just drive around trying to find places to go figure out if somebody let me clean the car and you just meet enough people. And next thing you know, we're building a car wash because I just kept falling in love with what I was doing. Yeah. I was like, How do I do more? Cause I just knew I've been down one day and at that point I'm like 26, 20, 25. I don't know. Something like that. I bent down and I was like, Ooh, Man, I'm having a blast, but there's no way I can do this for 40, 50 years. Like, yeah. The actual manual hard labor, it just starts to if, take if you see If you see Marty walking up the stairs, walking right? up and down the stairs in the morning for coffee, you'll understand. <laughs> the it amount just, of noises his body makes is hilarious. And, and, it, and I, it, it just it, it is what it is. I used to laugh at older men, too. And I just never put it into place. And there'll be a day you'll walk up down the stairs and you'll go, oh, that motherfucker. No, okay, I know. I, I know. It's going to hit me too. But you it know what? Does. When it does hit me, Marty, you can laugh at me all you want as well. You know? <laughs> I laugh at DJ. So I will laugh at you. Because <laughs> yeah. he used to say the same thing. But now that he turned 30, he's like, oh, oh. Like, no, he's just, yeah. he's just trying to find an excuse now. That's all it is. I've seen yeah, DJ move. You. He's swift. He's swift. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so, man. so anyway, I, I didn't mean to go too far into that, but you can forward the journey. Uh, I get into car washing. I go run a chain of car washes for a guy, but this was, that was uh, nine. And then it, well, end of eight, 2008, and then nine. And I was working, uh, seven days a week i had a wife a two young children and um it just wasn't working i mean it, the the local market for uh housing in the eight nine and ten recession crumbled so many builders and his main income was building he was supposed to build 10 car washes and i was going to gm all of his operations and yeah. take pieces of it right so it was the next good step for me, but the recession happened randomly out of my control. Nothing I did, right? Exactly. But I could see the writing on the wall and started to figure out some different things. And sure enough, one day he came in and just cut me about two weeks into January of 2010. All right. And that was no severance, wife and two kids. What do you do? I, there's going to be a lot of guys that find themselves in that situation now with 
hey, I listened to somebody and I closed my business. And at two and a half months later, when they're trying to reopen, there's no customers. What do they do? You mm -hmm. know, or, hey, I've stayed running, but the just customers have just dried up. You know, I mean, either way, we can all find ourselves in a situation of, oh, shit. And that's where I was. Uh, you know, we immediately got on food stamps. We immediately got on any help that we could. And people out gave me suggestions of what I should do. But, you know, I, the next thought for me was I couldn't go get a job at a car wash. I need to sustain my family. So we got back to cleaning cars. Like, yeah. I cleaned cars as much as I could. I missed soccer games. I missed soccer practices. I missed time with my kids and my family because you got to do whatever you got to do to survive. But exactly. I knew even at that point, I was like, I still can't just clean cars. And so I invested into, we had $4,000 in my account. I put it all into chemicals into my garage. And I just said, I've got to figure this out. I think I know the correct processes of helping people. I think I've got a pretty good understanding of what chemicals it takes. I just got to go for it. Yeah. And so that's what we did. And you want know, huge, huge props to you, man, because it is challenging to be a risk taker. Or I should say calculated risk taker when things are going well. So when things are not going so well and you take a risk like that, especially with the family and everything else that's going on and you're knowing, you knowing that it's a time of recession, that right there, you, you need some big kahunas for something like that, you know? Yeah, no, and I, I really do appreciate that. I think the thing though is I like, I think what we'll find out from a lot of detailers that, are, that will listen to this is we're gonna find out how big your kahunas are is how much do you value your dream? That is, yeah, for sure. And, you know, I've had people, I kept my shop opening on the down low from a lot of people when I was, you know, making it happen, getting everything organized in here, you know, doing the shop flooring and all that stuff. So I, I basically couldn't open this place up at the worst time, you know, during COVID-19, a pandemic where I technically shouldn't even be open kind of yeah. thing. So, but it is what it is. You know, I took the risk. I made it happen. But again, just like you said, is how much do I value my dream? I spent, you know, it doesn't sound like a long time, but I went from starting a business in the Chicagoland area to having to shut that down to having to restart it over here in Arizona in a place where I know, nobody, no friends, just my immediate family, um, and having to network to where I am right now. So again, how much do you value your dream? All the time and effort that you put into previously, all the sacrifices you made, relationships, things like that, you know, it's like, you're just going to give that all up and sit down and do nothing. Or you're going to make shit happen. Hey, one sec. Uh, yeah, man. Hey, sorry. No, you're good, bro. So yeah. Um, let's see. Let's see. Also, want to talk about a little. I I want to talk a bit about your products, but we always seem to go oh. off of some other things, you know. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, so I'm I'm taking you mean the hyperclean. Yeah, the hyperclean line, the your coating line as well. Um, you know, I find those super impressive. Honestly, the CC one hundred and five is 
bang on, dude. I'll be honest with you. That stuff is yeah. great. Thank so, you. Thank you. Yeah, but uh, if you if you want to just go over it, kind of like what gave yes, you the idea. So, so what gave me the idea was competing locally. Yeah. Um, you know, a detailer that's trying to go into a dealership and sell a product. It took me at least six months to really get meetings and almost eight months before I started landing accounts. Mm -hmm. You don't walk into a dealership and just take business. Oh yeah. Right? You know, especially when you've got competition that's been around 20 something years. It, it is extremely difficult. And fortunately was able to land a couple accounts, which landed a couple more. I had help from, a guy named John Wall, who was working with Valvoline, he would help drive me around. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. <laughs> right? I mean, if you're going to go sell chemicals to a dealership, would you know, like, what would you do? You don't know. So yeah. I kind of tagged up with this guy, and he would drive me around and show me the proper processes of going into a dealership and starting a sales pitch, right? So starting to get some movement locally i began to see who the different competitors were too and why some of them did really well and why 25 30 dollars for a five gallon degreaser compared to i was selling carbright which was 45 60 somewhere through there why they could win over a good quality product with a really great price and started taking some of my accounts, right? Yeah. And so I had to come up with just from a business survival here in Oklahoma, I had to come up with an alternative line that would compete in more of an economic way. So that is the initial reason for starting what the journey was. It translated into remembering, and I, I didn't know how bad our industry polluted the environment <laughs> until I started looking further into it, right? Yeah. I remembered what led me into specifically what we're doing. I took an environmental chemistry class in high school because I couldn't, I, I knew I couldn't make, I, there's just no way I, I knew I couldn't pass chemistry, right? But I had to take one or the other. So I took environmental chemistry and it taught us so much about how industries and what different things do to help reduce pollution or reduce our waste. And one particular went and walked a trash burning place that would take all of the trash from our city, not all, but you know, a bunch of our trash and burn it and then they would use the steam and sell it over to, uh, I think, our uh, uh, electric company or, or, or some, I don't know. They would sell that to another company. And I just, I really liked that idea and started playing with, well, what is it that we're wasting a lot of? I and my company have never taken those five-gallon cubes, dropped them off to a dealership, and then when they wanted another one, just took them a brand new one. It always made sense then in my company, the way we did stuff was to get stuff in bigger bulk, 
pump it down into the five gallon cube and just recirculate the cubes. Yeah. It saves me money on buying the cubes plus it, I get a better price here. That, so we've been doing that for Yeah, a lot of people don't realize those cubes are expensive. Yeah. They're not cheap. They yeah. are expensive cubes, you know, and that all adds and costs. So, you know, that, that recycle mentality that you had not only saves you on expense, but also saves the plant. That's exactly what, you know, um, the hyper clean lineup is. It is a quality product that is affordable, value oriented, but is focused on minimizing waste and pollution. Yeah. So well, just I, waste, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, for you sure. Just, you could just say that. Like it's 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 environmental waste as well as financial waste. Yeah. Because that's why we say together we save. Yeah. You know? yeah Saving for sure. comes in both folds. For sure. And if you guys haven't seen some of Marty's products, um, they basically come in little pouches that you go yeah, ahead and bags. yeah. Bags, pouches, whatever you want to call them. And you go ahead and dilute them. Yeah, they're typically 16 ounces. I know Hyper D is a larger bag, correct? So 30, yeah. So each of the each of the products is comes in a 32 ounce bag. 32 ounce bag. Yep. Yep. Go ahead. And then you would just go ahead and dilute them in your five gallon cube or some of the foldable cubes, the compact ones that Marty also sells online. But that 32 ounces of product. Is gonna that thirty two ounces of concentrate is gonna get you five gallons worth of product. So it's a, it's an interesting concept that nobody has done before. Yeah. None that I have seen for the most part, you know. And a lot of it works really well. So yeah. you save a lot of money, you know. Like S, for example, which is your soap, and you keep it kiss stupid, keep it stupid simple, you know, which I really enjoy. S, which is a soap works really well it's not going to be the best soap out there but you know what as great lubrication you're not scratching the surface when you use it and it's pretty good foam too you know you might need to use a little bit more in your foam cannon but you got five gallons of product for like what 25 30 bucks it's not a bad deal you I'm can paying. even get it left when you match it with the other ones and you can start getting them for 20 bucks exactly so I mean, and, and that's for a five gallon degreaser and a lot of people take the degreaser and will dilute it in their spray bottle. So they're actually getting 15 to 20 gallons of degreaser for 25 bucks. Just depending, less, depending on where you need to use it and how strong you need it and stuff like that. So, and, and that's where I think is crazy, which is fun, which I brought out earlier part of being in Oklahoma, right? I mean, it's different here. It's, it's, it's still the wild west in a sense. Right? Yeah. There's no regulations, right? Yeah. Uh, we, you could go, literally, you could come here, and we call them bathtub blenders. They're throughout the Midwest. You could literally take and buy raw product, mix it in a big bathtub, and then go sell it to the dealership. <laughs> like, that's just, it's, that's just what happens. Now, uh, most of those guys don't survive too long, but some of them have, and they've grown very big businesses, and they're yeah. – box trucks, you know, and they're dropping stuff off at dealerships. And so we've had to compete in that market here. And then when we've gone elsewhere to go do, we've done pop-up trainings and we've gone, uh, I was up, uh, I took Darren and we went to Stafford, Virginia, and we were in Richmond, Virginia, and we drove around to visit some places. There was a guy paying $90 up in Virginia for a five gallon of degreaser. There, I mean, 
I, I'm not going to, I'm, I'll be the one to say that I've paid a lot of money for some expensive product that worked really well, but was it smart of me financially to do so? That's the question, you know, and you got to find a balance guys. It's not like you, you get the cheapest product because you want to save the most money. No, that's not the answer to the problem. The answer to the problem is finding a balance, find something that's value oriented that works really well. And, Again, that's kind of like I believe the, the the solution that you're trying to put on the table for the problem that a lot of detailers are running into. Not only right. that, make it convenient for detailers too with the detail supply app, which is honestly a well-organized app, super easy to use. It's not complicated at all. And it beats logging into a website every single day trying to order the products that you need. And you throw some pretty killer deals on there too, I got to admit. Sometimes you throw some free coatings. Heck, I remember that one time you were basically giving away a polisher for free on one of the deals. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's, there's a lot going for the brand when it comes to the product itself, but also the way you structure it too and try to provide savings along the detailer. So. Yeah. And that's the point of the together we say, we want yeah. it to be, I, so sort of how can we do that and ship somebody it's it's 25 bucks for a bag of degreaser. If you only get one, you're going to pay five dollars in shipping. So thirty dollars shipped. How how can a company do that? Well, we're direct to consumer. We don't have a middleman box truck that has a bunch of water delivering it to you, right? Yeah. We are an ultra concentrate bag that you use your own water out of your city, not another company's water, right? Yeah. I'm not saying anything about the product quality. I'm not saying anything about the chemical, right? I don't care. I think they're all great, right? You spray degreaser on a tire and it cleans the tire, it's a good degreaser. It doesn't matter who's, right? My point is, can we cut some cost and cut some waste by not shipping water? So since we don't ship water, we let you use your own water, we have a lot lower cost, which means we can operate smoother, thinner. We yep. don't have a lot of overhead and we can provide them value to our customers. Yeah, no, that's freaking awesome, dude. That it's an amazing way of thinking. And you know what? We do have to end this podcast in just a few moments as well, but let's end it off with that. Take the, the, the concept of problem solving that Marty has performed on his own company and the way he structured it and look at your own detailing business, your, your own business, your own venture and see where your problem lies when it comes to waste, when it comes to financial stuff, you know, what solutions can you provide to improve your company further the way kind of what Marty has with his, you know, he found the problem, you know, shipping water. What's the point in that? Might as well subtract that part of the equation and just provide the full concentrate directly to the consumer, save money on his end and also save money on the consumer end and make it more convenient in general. So yeah. Awesome, man. Well guys, I'm going to be making some pretty cool videos pretty soon on a lot of Marty's products. I do have some stellar ones in his lineup that I really enjoyed using. One that I mentioned is CC 105, um, one of the ceramic coatings in his lineup, but there are a few other that I think that you guys are going to be impressed with. Your bug remover is great too. I've really liked that one. Again, it's like 20, 20, 25 bucks for five gallons of bug gut remover, man. You literally spray it down and rinse off and you're set to go. Well, 
the key on that one, though, what you and I have talked about is it's the only non-caustic bug cleaner on the market. Yeah, no, it's killer. Literally it's killer. The only. Every yeah. other bug cleaner has caustics and is a high pH bug cleaner. Yeah. Right? And There's high... some that have said they're now coming out with neutral pH, but it's I'd still get it. But I would, I've done perfectly plenty of tests of people doing their own tests. Take a black car in the middle of summer, spray HyperClean B on it and let it sit. It has zero chance of damaging the grid. Yeah, man. And that's super impressive, especially with kind of the power and kick it has and removing the bug guts, which, which is now, great. So I will do that liability claim and be like, end user assumes all liability. <laughs> you right. like, you, you know, cannot well, damage your car with this, but please sign this paper real quick before you do it. <laughs> right. All right, Marty. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate your time and I appreciate you guys watching. I hope you guys all have a great day. Okay. Hey, man, Zai, thank you so much and uh, appreciate all you're doing for the community. Hey! hey, community. Have a great one, man. I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye.